don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. But if I knew then what I knew now, I definitely would have considered it as a career option. We're joined by two people from the British Army. The first is Sarah Hyons, who is the social media content manager for Capita, which deals with recruitment for the British Army. Our second guest today is Alex Shilmore, who is the British Army's head of digital and content. Yes, it's not every day you get to interview the British Army about their social media use, but on this occasion, we were lucky enough to speak to two figures who are influential to the organization's social output. In this podcast, we spoke about the do's and don'ts of posting on social as a member of the army, shooting eight live streams a day in Canada, and taking marketing inspiration from Nando's. By not being on Twitter, you're not part of that conversation, so you're missing out. All this and more, coming up. Why is it important for the British Army and other militaries to be active on social? So it's very important um, for the British public to know what their military Uh, is doing and what it's doing for them, Um, I think, uh, particularly when most of their work is done overseas. So with the Navy, we'd have called it sea blindness. The minute a ship sails over the horizon, you kind of forget about it. You don't really think about all those people that are deployed, separated from their families, who have signed up to spend their lives, you know, defending the country, amongst other things. Um, So it's really important that the British public are aware of the things that they do. Uh, and and what they're doing. Sarah, I'll sort of involve you at this point as well. I guess much of that rings true. But in terms of, you know, the the roles that social plays for the British Army, I'm interested to know how that differs between the Army, the Navy and the RAF as well. Yeah, completely agree with what Alex says. I mean, we're very conducive with regards to how we run our social media across all of the tri-service partners. Certainly from my perspective, working as a capital employee through recruiting group, social media is paramount in order for us to relay the opportunities and different careers that are available within a military organisation and those opportunities that people can take up moving forward through the stories that we promote across our social media channels. And how would you both say that these roles have changed over time? And by that, I mean the role that social media is playing for the Army, the Navy and the RAF. And what are some examples that perhaps either of you can share to illustrate how that's changed over time in terms of social becoming more important? So for me, I think when you really drill down to the audiences, you've got such a great opportunity now to talk to them directly. Whereas previously, before the advent of social media, citizen journalism, all that kind of stuff, you would be reliant on you know, traditional press coming in, running a media facility, uh, and then the reporters going away and spinning that in the way that they want to spin it. Whereas now you've got that opportunity to really showcase um, what those sort of young men and women are doing um, and really talk directly to those audiences. And it's been great. So it's not just the general public that we want to talk to. It's an internal audience. So uh, for an example, um, the families of, uh, and I'm drawing from my experience here with the Royal Navy, um, I think it's really important that they've got a direct line to be able to talk to um, the Navy to find out what their loved ones are doing. From my own personal experience, my father was in the Navy and where he was actually on a ship that got sunk in the Falklands on HMS Sheffield. And it was 1982, so obviously no social media. And my mother rang the dockyard and she said, look, I've heard that HMS Sheffield has been hit by a missile. Um, you know, w- what's the deal? And they said, we can confirm it has been hit by a missile. And if you're still worried, you can call back in the morning. So really, in that this day and age, that wouldn't fly. So it was really important to me when I worked there that 
you know, the, there was a direct access to people through social media and people could join Facebook groups. Um, if their loved one was away on a ship, there was um, a special group for them to join on the ship. They could use our forums on our website to keep updated you know, with all the news and activity. And if anything did happen, God forbid, um, then, you know, there, there'd be a way to reach in immediately. No, definitely. You can obviously see the importance of that, can't you? I mean, Sarah, from a recruitment perspective, how would you say that the role of social has changed in terms of, you know, letting people know what awaits them for a career in the army or the RAF if they wanted? Yes, definitely. I mean, from our perspective, there are sort of three types of potential recruits. So there's your core intenders who have exposure to the military and are always going to join regardless of what we do. There's then our intenders, so those that have thought about a career in the army but haven't really made the decision, and then the others that have never, ever considered a career in the army at all or any of the armed forces. So outside of sort of traditional media, the TV adverts, radio, out-of-home sort of best stop posters, it allows us that opportunity to target those audiences and also allows us to get some quantitative analysis on what works and what those individuals are wanting to see in order them to make an informed decision about a career in the military. And probably a good idea to throw things back to you at this point, Alex. Well, both of you, in fact, but starting with you, Alex. I mean, I was really interested when we were talking before this call about the army being quite forward-thinking, I think, with the approach to social media, because I think from the outside looking in, people would assume that it's quite traditional. I mean, have you experienced much opposition, both of you, when implementing a social media strategy? And if so, what was that at all? I guess for me, the the main issue is um, everybody wanting to be represented on social media, every um, regiment um, you know, they're really excited about this opportunity to be able to speak directly to their audience. So for me, the my biggest challenge is organizing that into some sort of sense that will make sense from the outside looking in. So as an example, the, the um, organizations within the army have got ra- what seemingly random numbers and names attached to them. So um, there's someone called, for example, 29EOD. Now, no civilian is going to understand what it is that they do um, and actually what they do is um, you know if someone digs up a world war ii bomb then they can go out and you know diffuse that bomb um, and they also have um, the military dogs in their um, in their team and all this kind of thing and it's really interesting but it's explaining to people you know you need to rebrand what you do so that it's understandable for, for that audience so really trying to organize all the social media that's out there and there are hundreds and hundreds of British Army social media accounts um, but really it's making them so accessible for the outside world so you don't need to have an understanding in in you know British military in order to be able to understand and find the social media that you're interested in. And over to you Sarah as well in terms of you know for somebody who works really really closely in the recruitment space like we said the perception of what I suppose audiences would think would be a communication from the army or the various militaries and, and what it is. I mean, is that surely something that you take in terms of into consideration? Naturally, I guess if you've got a Gen Z or millennial audience, you really need, need to be speaking their language. Definitely, yes. And I mean, exactly as Alex said, there are so many different branches, regiments, corps of the army and a random civilian won't have any clue with the differentiation. We tend to find that sometimes they don't even know the differentiation between a soldier and an officer career, let alone the granular detail of individual units and showing them the sort of further detail of a wider arching career within the army and it being a way of life and the camaraderie and the opportunities and the adventurous training that you can get as a part of a career in the army that simply isn't available as a civilian. I mean, eight years into this role, I'm not a member of the army, never have been, but if I knew then what I knew now, I definitely would have considered it.
it as a career option because, I mean, between the free gym membership and the healthcare and the accommodation and the travel and the way you can see the world, paying for your degree, I would have been all over it. But unfortunately, a little too late for for me when I found out about the opportunities. (laughs) I mean, I'm interested to know, perhaps especially from yourself, Alex, because I know how long you've been in the industry. When you were starting to implement a social media strategy and figuring out what would work best for the army, what experience did you have with pushback internally? Anyone being like wary of social channels and not sure like how it can help you best? And I guess how you were able to overcome that, because obviously you're in a good place with it now, but I'm guessing, you know, there was a point where you had to get to that point. Yeah, exactly. And what I've really learned about the military in particular is that they're a, they're a risk averse bunch, um, but for good reason. But the other thing is that if you can prove to them that you've thought about the risk and that you're managing that risk, um, that they're pretty open to to trying these things. Um, so it's really going in there with your strategy planned, that here's what could go wrong, here's what we're doing to mitigate it, um, and here's some data. So, for example, I always say to people who are like, well, we don't want to go on Twitter because, you know, people might say bad things. Well, actually, people will already say those bad things, but by not being on Twitter, you're not part of that conversation, so you're missing out. Um, so it's really your opportunity to, to combat that. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there has been some um, some sort of reluctance, I guess. Um, but once you can prove with solid data that this is the way forward, then then that tends to open the doors that I found. No, absolutely. I mean, Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that you don't experience as much pushback when you're speaking to like outward audiences instead of the internal ones. So what has your experience been with getting everyone on board to sort of using social channels to get your message out there? It's been relatively easy, certainly from my perspective. Alex is obviously speaking predominantly to an internal audience. So from our perspective, those that follow our channels are those that are interested in army career. So it's it's a far easier job from my side of things, really. However, I have been working in in this role with the British Army for about eight years and it's very much two sides of one coin. You get the individuals who will always do what we've always done and we must consider operational security, personal security, which of course we do without saying. Have the others that are, this is the silver bullet, let's get everything that we can out on social media. And I think there's a really nice balance that has been met between the internal channels and the recruiting channels that allow us to get the messages across that we need to get across in order to inform our audience of what they need to know before making such a commitment. And to throw it back to you, Alex, it's very, very keen to know more about best practice because I know there are a lot of stakeholders, a lot of people who are on social media within the organisation and, you know, we'd be daft if we didn't ask about the potential implications of being on social media. So in terms of your best practice and I think something that will definitely ring true with people who are representing a company or representing an organisation, what do you sort of say when it comes to training? So in terms of representing yourself well online, um, I always try to say, you know, the rules that apply offline are exactly the same as the ones that apply online. So you shouldn't be doing anything to bring the organization into disrepute if you put yourself out there as an employee of that organization. My um, way of looking at it is, you know, read that manual, the HR manual that existed forever, but just apply that to your online life as well. Um, and, And that tends to work pretty well. There are other things, you know, if you are wanting to tweet, have a real think about that. Do you want your name out there? Are there other ways in which we can do it um, in terms of best practice? We can look at, you know, the enduring Twitter accounts for 
the organization rather than as an individual? Do you need to be posting as an individual? Of course, there's the there's the flip side to that, which is everyone's entitled to a life outside the British Army. So, you know, that people are encouraged to go on and share their um, news um, as long as they're not, as I say, bringing the organization into disrepute. Certainly. And I suppose there's a mixture, isn't there, to a balance to be hit of sort of being personalized and being authentic on social media, which is something we always talk about as well. Exactly. If we've got individuals who are tweeting, I always encourage them to talk a little bit about personal life as well. So you're not just a robot that works for the army. You are a person who's got, you know, multi strands to their personality. So if you support a football club or a rugby club or or whatever it might be, sometimes tweet about that, you know, to say that you're pleased or something just to just give yourself that human edge. Otherwise, you're just a face on Twitter that tweets the same thing all the time. But I think it's really important to bring in other aspects of people's personality when they're when they're using social media. Such a good point. I guess to expand on that then, maybe a question for both of you. I want to know how you guys ensure that the Army's social media presence actually reflects everything that you guys do. I know you've both touched on the fact that there are so many different regiments and like so many different routes that you want to promote or share at any one time. But what methods, I guess, have you found most useful for representing that as accurately as possible? So we've actually boiled our strategy down into sort of five areas that we try to talk about. So by ensuring we've got an, an even split amongst those things, I think we're, we're generally hitting what we want to talk about. So those are things like people. We want to show the people of the army, the contribution that they're, they're giving by joining the army and the things they get up to. So we've, we've got those five strands and we try to um, make sure that we've got those evenly covered. Mm. And what about yourself, Sarah? Yeah, working very similar to the strategy that Alex has to a British Army, but we rotate depending on application cutoff dates and intakes. So we rotate between junior entry applications, regular officer, regular soldier, reserve officer and reserve soldier. We also target our difficult to fill roles and ensure that we cover all of the aspects of that role rather than a generic role in its entirety and also show the individuals and the opportunities behind those roles so they get a full picture and we tie in accurately with what's going out on the British Army channel so it's conducive across the board and the audience if they're following both channels are able to see the same themes throughout our social platforms. No, definitely. I'm interested to get into the specifics about your social media activity. And the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, we've mentioned the fact that the army has to be slightly risk averse. But with that in mind, how experimental can you guys be with social platforms and new features? You know, can you be reactive and can you respond to trends like some brands do? Or do you have to sort of veer on the side of caution and maybe you're a little bit hindered by that? So as with any sort of government organisation, we have to make sure that what we do is within the operational security and personal security. So if a new platform has arisen, you know, we'll make sure it's secure, etc. before we use it. In terms of trends popping up, so let's just say, you know, a Twitter hashtag is trending. We can be fairly reactive to that, to bring in our content and post. When you're talking about new platforms, new technologies, then those we really had to do tread carefully uh, before sort of jumping in. You're listening to the Social Minds podcast with Sarah Hyons and Alex Shilmore. So far, we've talked about how the British Army's social media strategy differs between the Army, the RAF and the Navy, how social media has helped the British Army to change perceptions both internally and externally, and how both Alex and Sarah have been able to turn the organisation onto the power of social. Still to come, we'll be talking about the most effective platforms for reaching new Army recruits, best practice advice for officials and Army members, and taking cues from brands like Nike and Nando's. 
Sarah, from a recruitment standpoint, so many great campaigns and so many platforms to reach audiences on in interesting ways. What do you find are your best platforms for in terms of recruitment, in terms of that sort of messaging? Each of the individual platforms have their own sort of individual benefits, really. We'll find that depending on the audience that we're trying to recruit, different channels will obviously be better than others. So LinkedIn works very well for our reserve audience. Obviously, a reserve career is a career outside of your normal nine to five. So you find that individuals that we target on LinkedIn can be interested in taking their existing civilian career into a part-time army career. So that works really well for us. Also, we have roles which are called PQO and PQS. That's professionally qualified officer and professionally qualified soldier. So through LinkedIn and targeting on there, it allows us to find those careers that might be sort of difficult to film or careers that individuals might not be aware of that are within the, the military. Psychologists, doctors, nurses, vets, for example. And it allows us to, to push those careers out to individuals that are within the right career streams or within the right and correct universities. So we can push the sort of university officer training corps and those careers through LinkedIn. For our younger audience, sort of the, the Gen Zs, Gen Xs, we find that, as I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear, Instagram is probably the best channel. And that's where we find the largest proportion of that audience, along with Snapchat, which has dipped quite significantly through lockdown, but still working quite well for us. Then if you're looking at your sort of standard reserve careers and general, I have a problem I want to talk to you. It's Twitter, as it is with everyone across the board. And then for a regular, we find that Facebook works really well for us as much as sort of the, the age range has shifted quite dramatically over the last sort of three or four years on Facebook. We are finding, despite the fact that the age range aren't sort of active as much as they would be or posting and engaging as much as they used to on Facebook, they are still on there and getting the messages. That is working well for us within the regular space. So it really does depend on what audience we're looking at, what role we're looking at for what social media platform works best for us. No, absolutely. I think that's a very good point as well that will ring true for anyone listening that people think Facebook's age range has shifted to a point where young people aren't actually on there, but they are just scrolling silently if they're not creating content anymore. The one thing I'm interested to hear more about is Sarah, when we first spoke to you, you were telling us about a campaign or activation that you guys did via live stream. And I thought that was really interesting. So would you mind telling us a little bit more about that and what you guys were able to do with live? Of course, yes. It's, it's a little while ago now, my goodness. In fact, it is four years to the day that I was flown out to Canada to do our first, what we referred to as hashtag 11 days, which is still swimming around there on the old interweb. But what we did is we went out and we covered our training area in Canada, which is known as Battis within Army Circles. So I did seven lives a day for two weeks covering all of the battalions that were out there on the plane. It allowed us to interview all of the roles that were out in the field and all of those different roles from different regiments and corps that make up one battle unit and allow us to portray that personality of individual and also the intricacies and the diversity of roles available within an army career out to the wider audience. It was live Q&As filmed in real time. We were sort of bringing in around about 250,000 viewers for each live that we did. And that that really helped, I think, in converting that sort of change from, am I interested in an army career? Or, you know what, I'm just like Sergeant Wilson that I just filmed there. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to give it a go myself. And it worked fantastically well for us. Obviously, unfortunately, because of COVID and everything that's happened in the last year or so, that has not been as easy to do for us, but definitely something that we're looking to pick up. And I know that Alex has been doing some great work as well with Q&As throughout all of the core stories. So definitely something that works for us. And I think really nice to allow individuals, not just the opportunity 
opportunity to see what we're putting out to them with regards to who these individuals are and how great a career is and how wonderful the personalities and camaraderie and opportunities are, but allow them to directly ask questions to these individuals. Our sort of viewpoint is always be honest. No job is wonderful. Nine to five, everybody gets bored with the admin. I do in a civvy role. I'm sure you guys do in a civvy role. The army's no different to that, but it's just allowing individuals to ask those questions and get advice so that they can make an informed decision and hopefully a brilliant career in the army will follow from it. No, absolutely. I mean, that's a lot of live streams. I guess when there's like so much to explain, as you guys have both touched on, there's merit to being able to show instead of just tell, you know, everything that's going on. And like you mentioned, that interact activity as well with Q&A's absolute massive value there. I mean, Alex, have you found something similar with that kind of format? Yeah. So the one thing that I um, like to bang on about when I'm giving you know presentations or whatever, it's remember the social part of social media. It's a two-way conversation. When you're a huge brand, it's really hard, especially like in a military or government brand, it's really hard to, to build that into your strategy. So the way I've done it in the past with, um, for example, uh, Foreign Secretary through to the Army now is to make sure you've got time set aside for that engagement and you can structure it a bit better so an example would be this week the person the lady that won the circle uh, is actually in the army so we're trying to use her as a vehicle to talk about you know what's life like in the army because people already recognize her and give people the opportunity to talk to her through our social media so we're running an instagram q a with her this week so yeah, that's the way we like to do our engagement is to properly structure it like that. Um, whether it, it doesn't matter which channel it's on, it just happens to be Instagram this week. Mm. And it does wonders for transparency as well. Yeah, exactly. And it just, you know, it opens up the conversation, it allows people to speak directly to someone that they might. If you haven't got anyone in the military in your family and you want to talk to someone, hopefully this this will give you that opportunity to ask them what life is like um, in the army. Um, ask those questions. I mean, I've done it before for the Navy and the amount of questions they got you know what's the food like what are the showers like all this kind of thing they just don't have the opportunity to ask anybody um, at home so it just opens it up for people I love as well that so much of what we've spoken about so far kind of aligns to the branded world as well. I think it's very easy to maybe see the military and the army as, you know, having to take a completely different path on social media. But with that in mind, I'm just wondering if there are any sort of brands or organizations or publishers or places that you, uh, the, t- the two of you take inspiration from when working um, you know, on these campaigns and strategies and the creative side of um, social media? Yeah, so for me, it depends on the campaign. So, for example, if we were doing something around military fitness, I would definitely look to like Nike, Adidas um, and see what that what they're doing um, on their social channels um, and really try to sort of take inspiration from there. So so it really does depend on, on which campaign and what what it is we're trying to talk about, um, you know, whether it's from mental health, um, as I say, fitness, or it could just be trying to explain um, in a you know, what the military do, blowing things up, that kind of stuff um, with their big guns and stuff. So it's, it, it just depends on, on what it is we're trying to do. But yeah, looking at the other brands that do well on social, talking about those things, it's great. And Sarah asked the same question to you for your department. Yeah, exactly the same for me. It really does depend on what we're covering. And there's some absolutely wonderful brands out there. I wish that we had the the freedom to, to do the sort of Yorkshire tea style Twitters, which are just fantastic at the minute. But we do what we can with what we're able to. To. For sure, for sure. That's it. It's all about taking inspiration and adapting it, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, one brand that um, I keep seeing on Instagram that I really like their stuff is actually Nando's. Uh, although I've never actually had a Nando's, but what? the um, it, I think it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really. Um, just drop that box. Alex, 
Wow. <laughs> I know. Well, I think that's what's a skirt over. Nando's. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, so I think it's really important to like look at these other places. I love, um, we have a real problem with resource, as I'm sure every comms team does. Um, so when we get in uh, content for Instagram stories, for example, and it's been filmed in a landscape mode, um, something that I've seen um, that Nando's do is, you know, turn, it's like a little graphic at the start, which says turn your phone to the side, which means we can then repurpose that content. So it's I follow like, like all these different random brands um, and, and gain inspiration from, from what, whatever they're doing. It's fascinating to hear firsthand how you guys really stay at the forefront in that respect. And like I say, you know, not looking at the army and the military as being completely different from the rest of the branding world, because I suppose you could say we all more or less engage with the same, whether that's, uh, you know, an organization, a brand, a publisher. So I think it's interesting for our audience to hear that firsthand and to, you know, that, get that insight into the British army and the wider militaries as well. Yeah, definitely. We're all competing for the same attention at the end of the day, even though like your worlds are miles apart from Nando's, it'll be the same people probably probably looking at both so it's, it is important to keep in mind exactly their audience is probably one that that we want to tap into so uh, yeah it, it's really interesting i'm waiting for the nando's british army collab <laughs> exactly. you know it's worth noting that if you're in the british army you get 15 percent discount at nando's just saying there we go there's your in there's the segue it's perfect <laughs> no excuses now alex well we'll wrap up there thank you very much for joining us guys like i said really valuable insight into the british army and to the wider militaries as well so fantastic thank you ever so much and really keen to keep an eye on your social media channels and for everybody who listens to this podcast to also keep an eye on some of the great stuff that you guys have been putting out and doing as well great thank you pleasure thank you Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 